Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon. Your host is always here with Mike Parker. Mike, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much, man. Just uh, enjoying week 18. We're going to discuss, I don't know, 11 of the of the 16 games that mattered. And uh, I'm going to pick pick some, some winners for next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, this has been like, ground zero today i was waiting for them to to release who assassinated jfk right now on twitter um twitter's been going wild all day pete carroll was essentially fired by the seahawks today uh nick saban resigned not fired not fired he stepped down oh he said that he competed to keep his job during his press conference alluding to that he wanted to stay on and they didn't want him to stay on yeah but he's still with the team though I mean, he didn't say that for sure, though. This this announced that, that he was going to be an advisor, but he didn't sound like he was even done coaching at the. I mean, I listened to most of the press conference. Crazy. We we can, we can, we can unpack that. I think there's some, some messaging there that needed to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Where do you want to, I guess, hidden degenerate corner? I did. I do have a, I did have a couple. Uh, they all missed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, minus 300 this week. Um, I had I'm Houston. So at glad, I'm so glad I didn't start redoing this, man. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm just going to do it. And I've actually amped up. I just went money line for this week or for next week or for the wild card weekend. Um, but I'm putting up a thousand kind of like, and then I'm breaking that up amongst some bets. But this week, uh, Houston at Indianapolis. I thought Indianapolis was going to win this game. It was at it was at home. Their defense was playing pretty solid. Their offensive line was moving the ball. I think uh, Taylor had like almost a hundred yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, but it came down at the end of the to, to one last moment, and you know they couldn't they couldn't figure it out. So ended up losing that. Um, I also lost Dallas at Washington plus thirteen and a half. I thought they could keep close i thought dallas was going to probably sit their starters sometime in this game and none of those things ever happened so i ended up losing that and then of course i had seattle at arizona uh plus two and a half and an over 47 and a half man i really thought arizona was gonna take it to us and they kind of did for a while um but man i expected based on the scores that we that our offenses have been able to put up and the ineptitude of our collective defenses I thought there's going to be some a lot more scoring in this game than there was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Down 300. Very happy about that. Let's get going. All right. Uh, first game uh, we're going to cover this week, uh, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. This was a must win for Pittsburgh. Uh, Baltimore is pretty much set, uh, sitting their entire team. So not a huge um, expectation from, from that team. Um, I, I wanted to cover – this game obviously because it was winning uh it was winning you're in uh pittsburgh put uh they won 17 to 10 versus baltimore um stat lines of this game were more reminiscent of a game from like the 1920s than the 1910s or 1920 or, or the 2020s the stats are just pretty horrible doesn't yeah, leave mason me with rudolph, a lot mason rudolph throws for 152 and a touchdown and then it's a uh bunch of rushing uh, i guess tyler huntley had 146 in a touchdown as well yeah you might as well put ya tittle in there i mean i don't i mean with these passing numbers i don't 
I'm, it doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence that Baltimore or I'm uh, sorry, Pittsburgh couldn't move the ball um, in a must win scenario against a team that was mostly sitting. Um, uh, good luck you know, against uh, Buffalo, my, I guess. My highlight of this game, Mike, was I think it was in the second half. There was a kickoff. Uh, Baltimore kicks off to Pittsburgh and the ball goes right over by the sideline. And Godwin, and I cannot pronounce his last name. He was a Seahawk at one point, though. Special teams ace. Uh, he goes onto the sideline, out of bounds, and then lays out on the field and grabs the ball. So it's good. Yeah. yeah. Bounds, and then yep. they get the ball at, at, what, the 35 or the 40 or whatever. And like, Because of the what, flag. What a heady play, man. I never even thought that you could do that. That's that's uh, that, was, uh, that was great. I wonder if we'll see that a little more often. I like he told the story about it later and people were like yelling at him. What are you doing? Don't do that. What are you doing? And it's just like the flag was thrown. I think it's a, like a legal procedure for kicking, like kicking the ball out of bounds or something like that. And yeah. Headsy play for sure. Um, one notable injury in this game. TJ Watt uh, has a sprained knee likely out multiple weeks. I'm not sure it's going to matter. He looked real nasty. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not as bad as it, as, one thought so they're hoping he misses one week so if they get past buffalo he could be potentially ready for uh the division round divisional round um but it is a pretty significant loss for this team um for the pittsburgh steelers for that uh, wild card round yeah that's a big loss so we'll see what happens there all right i don't have much more on this game pittsburgh won and we'll we'll talk about how that matters as we go through these games yeah. All right. Houston at Indianapolis. Uh, win and you're in. Um, for all intents and purposes, this was a playoff game. Um, the win, the winner goes is in, and the loser is eliminated. There's like no like other chances. Win and you're in. Losing you're out. Um, we watched this game together on Saturday. I didn't know it at the time, but Jonathan Taylor. Ran for like 188 yards and a touchdown. It didn't even seem like that while we were watching the games. It was the quietest almost 200-yard rushing day that I can ever remember. What was your take? Uh, yeah, I was – I mean, they were – my – the thing that got me, Mike, is, you know, this game was really close, and, and it, was a, it was a fun game to watch. I thought C.J. Stroud really, really showed out um, – you know, Gardner Minshew didn't have his best day, but yeah, like you said, Jonathan Taylor really picked up the slack for that uh, Indianapolis offense. I just couldn't understand. I'm blanking on the guy's name now. Um, at the end of the game, Indianapolis needed a first down um, on like a fourth and two or three. And Tyler you know, Goodson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jonathan Taylor had been, you know, running, running the ball, catching the ball in the backfield a couple times. Um, why you pull him out in the most important play essentially of your season uh, and run a screen pad or a, a, a quick pass out to the flat and he just dropped it. Um, no, I don't know if this is true. Uh, like I haven't actually researched. I'm just bringing it up right now. I heard the word on the street is he had an ankle, which is oh, why he was yeah. off the field. Jonathan oh, Taylor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes But Even then Zach Moss is, is in there too. Maybe he's not much of a pass catcher. I don't think though. they're better choices for sure. Yeah. I guess the media was split on this. Hey, if you make the field, you make the catch, that's your job. So like, you know, whatever, but we all know 
that certain players come through more often than other players, right? So that's why they're the first and second string. Um, this guy was a third string running back, didn't see the play, uh, the, the field a lot throughout the year, um, was put in a very high leverage situation where he was kind of put out there on an island, wide open, a lot of stuff going through his mind. Um, Jonathan, on the other hand, I've been here before. I've done that. I've had big plays. I've fumbled. None of it matters. I just, I'm going to go out and make this play and go. A uh, lot less thinking about things uh, for some of these star players than you would see with these third rounders. Absolutely. I'm almost mad at Steichen for putting Goodson in that position. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but um, I was really, I'm so impressed with this Nico Collins kid, like this CJ Stroud to Nico Collins is going to be a fun, fun little pass, pass catcher uh, duo for, for years to come. It looks like. CJ Stroud's going to have some options next, next season for sure. When they get Tank Dell back and, get some of these guys healthy uh i'd like to see a little running game out of them you know yeah i mean they, they, they need it they need to fix that and i know they traded away their first round pick this year and maybe even their second rounder but probably using my number one draft pick on a on a running back bit, you know wherever Oof. they wherever they get i mean they're not gonna be picking to like the third round i believe so well we'll have yeah yeah I, I no first round quarter no no first round running backs I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, especially this year I don't think there's any first round running backs coming out of college that looked, you know, like a potential Christian McCaffrey or one of these uh, guys that ends up going high. I mean, even um, Saquon Barkley doesn't seem like the hype. No. The Saquon Barkley hype train that came when he came out of Penn State. So yeah, we were kind of discussing first round running backs the other day, and it didn't. You know, there there have been a number of them over like the last ten years, even top ten running backs taken. And uh, yeah, I don't think many of the guys that are taken up there at the top of the draft have really lived. Like Leonard Fournette and Eze- I mean Ezekiel Elliott had a pretty good run and is still doing somewhat well in, out there in uh, New England. But yeah. A lot of these guys have not. They fell. They fall off the cliff. You got five five years, and then they're just they fall off the cliff. Once they they come close to that thirty year old mark, they're just like there's. I, it has to be just throwing yourself against a brick wall twenty five thirty times a game. It really just must like beat the body to heck. They lose their speed. They lose their explosiveness. What happened to Dalvin Cook? He's a three time All Pro, and now he's on his third team in one season doesn't make any sense all right speaking of dalvin cook minnesota and uh, detroit is the next game um there's playoff implications for both teams in this game detroit wins um but at a cost they lost they lost sam laporta and khalif raymond in this game um they were questionable for the wild card round two big contributors uh to their offense uh there's a chance that laporta could get back i don't know about raymond um their defense gave up 450 total yards to Nick Mullins um, and this Minnesota (laughs) not really high powered offense. I guess regardless, they capture the number three seed. They're in the, and then they're in the playoffs. They are where they are. They got the win, but they have to really solve this defense issue. You know, everyone, there was a poll that went out and everyone loves um, the defensive coordinator. Um, for for the Lions, but I just I don't I don't know if the issue is a scheme 
or if the issue is personnel or or what. So I think they need to tighten this up if they're going to have any success in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I wanted to shout out Justin Jefferson and Amon Ross St. Brown, both uh, going well over 100 yards. Justin Jefferson with 12 catches for 192 and a touchdown. And then uh, Amon Ross St. Brown got seven for 144 and a touchdown. But his long was 70. So I basically got half of his yards on one catch. It's pretty, pretty to put it in To put it in perspective, Justin Jefferson um, played 10 games this year and got 1,000 yards receiving. That's crazy. I mean, project that over the other seven games. I mean, it's probably about 1,800 yards for the season if he stays at that pace. Um, So it's pretty pretty damned impressive how good he is. I think because of the dysfunction is the wrong word. They're just – they didn't – they weren't very good this season, uh, Minnesota. But, you know, I think he – because of that, he's not getting his flowers as – it was Tyreek Hill this, Tyreek Hill that, but um, man, he's he's one of the best in the league. One A, one B, in my opinion. Agreed, man. All right, so I'm sure Dan Campbell's week is going was filled with why did you start? Why did you play your starters? Questions, um, and I guess I guess I get it. There was a slim chance that with um, with them winning and a Dallas and Philly loss that could get the two seed. So it makes some sense, but sometimes when you're, when it's like halftime and you know, Dallas is up 14 or 21 to nothing or 21 to 10, you might go, okay, let's just, let's just sit our guys and we're going to be comfortable with the, the three seed and kind of avoid some of these late game injuries. I mean, if you make it to halftime with no major injuries, you just kind of go, okay, well, I, I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> Let's get these guys out. We need them. I was kind of surprised. Usually they put all the games that can affect one another in the same time slot, but they had the Cowboys and the Eagles both playing in the in the later time slot. So um, the Lions didn't really know. So it's like, you know, at least if you know that, that uh, Philly's getting stomped out, but Dallas is winning, you know, then it's like, well, let's pull some of these guys out of here. But they didn't have that. Well, I, I, I wonder because for the NFC, the linchpin game was um, Green Bay, the result of that Green Bay game. And the linchpin for the AFC is the next game that we're going to discuss. And that's Jacksonville at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee was already eliminated, had really nothing to play for other than pride in this case. Um, Jacksonville was a must win uh, in order to get in. Um, and was this Jacksonville winning they're in? Yeah, so with the win, Jacksonville wins the AFC say AFC South and they eliminate Pittsburgh. Okay. And Buffalo in this case has to win on Sunday night football in order to make the playoffs. Right. So there was a lot of teams that were like, if if Jacksonville wins this game, we have to we're playing for our lives or we're not in. Yeah. With the Jacksonville loss. They are eliminated with the play from the playoffs. Houston wins the AFC South. Buffalo secures a playoff berth before they even start Monday Night Football. Um, so with with Tennessee, they came through for Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Houston, um, and they just ran the ball down Jack, uh, Jacksonville's throat. 175 total rushing yards and two touchdowns. 
I, I mean, it was essentially an obliteration. I don't, I don't know what's going on with, with Jacksonville. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, starting the season, what, eight and three and ending like one in one in five, one in six, the end of the rest of the way. Uh, tough, tough uh, way to, to finish that season up. And yeah, I know they fired a bunch of assistant coaches over the last couple of days, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was expecting a lot more out of Trevor Lawrence. I guess he has been battling some injuries this year, but um that's that's too good of a team to be sitting outside looking in on the playoffs, especially letting a rookie quarterback win the AFC uh, South there. That's you know, I would expect more from them. So Yeah, he floated a few passes early on in the game. He did go 67% for 280 and two touchdowns, which isn't crazy. Um, But he did uh, throw for two interceptions. Uh, Tennessee was able to convert their takeaways to seven points, just kind of like, all right, we'll take it. Um, Last two possessions, however, Jacksonville turned it over on downs, including three straight incomplete passes to essentially end the game. So turnover on downs. Next uh, possession turnover on downs with three straight incom- incompletions on an out route overthrow. Didn't even look at the guy was there. It, he would have been able to make that catch. Like Trevor was just sailing it. And I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, he could tell he's dejected, not frustrated, dejected. I think with frustration, you see a little like anger with, with that. And like, what the, what the, what the hell, you know, you're, you're looking to, to look at, you know, yell at somebody, the look on his face was just, I give up. Yeah, that was, that was not a good look on a Sunday for sure. So. All right. Um, let's move on to Atlanta at New Orleans. Uh, both of these teams needed to win to have an opportunity to be in. Um, they, they needed some other things to fall, uh, in their favor. Um, this was a perfect ending in my opinion, uh, to the New Orleans season. Derek Carr goes off um, for 264 yards and four touchdowns, perhaps his best day as a quarterback. Um, It's the most touchdowns he's had all season. It's the highest QB rating of the season for him. And essentially it it meant nothing. So it's like all this, like, finally he gets in his groove four touchdowns hot, you know, high quarterback rating. And it all means nothing, man. Um, yeah, it, it, that's pretty emblematic of, of who the new Orleans saints have been these last couple of years. Um, you know, Bijan Robinson, I was pretty impressed by him today. Um, you know, he had that one 71 yard, uh, touchdown reception from, uh, Desmond Ritter, but, um, and then also uh, there was another insane catch of Chris Alave kind of bobbling the ball off of a defender's head there. But um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a good day for um, offense, mostly new Orleans, but the first half was, it was a, that was a really fun kind of, I was, you know, just keeping track of it on uh red zone, but it was like just back and forth and a lot of scoring in that first half. And then uh, second half, the new Orleans defense just kind of shuts everything down uh, on Atlanta there. But let's talk about kind of the elephant in the room, Mike, with uh, the yeah. you're, you're one of your favorite quarterbacks ever, Jameis Winston, uh, and the New Orleans offense kind of going against the head coach. Is it Doug Allen? Is that what his name is? What's, his, what's the head coach of New Orleans? 
he had called in uh, the kneel down yeah. victory formation and uh they wanted to get Jamal Williams in the end zone, so they called the uh, Jameis Winston calls an audible and then uh Arthur Smith loses his mind at midfield, the guy yelling at the New Orleans coach. Dennis Allen, yeah. Dennis Allen, sorry. Yeah, so just for those who didn't pick up on sarcasm, I don't like Jameis at all. <laughs> but apparently what happened is uh, their running back had not gotten a touchdown, a rushing touchdown all year. Last year with Detroit, um, he ends up with, I think it was 17 rushing touchdowns. So as a team, I guess they decide um, instead of taking the knee in victory formation after an interception that was ran down to the one yard line by Tyron Matthews, they were going to fake the uh, the victory formation and then run the ball in for a touchdown for uh, Jamal Williams. Welp, this caused a lot of problems. The defense was frustrated because, you know, there's injury. The, when when you go into victory formation, there's an understanding that you're not going to have like a positive like play because, you know, injuries can happen. Guys aren't in their three-point stances. They're not prepared. There can be like leg injuries and all sorts of things that can happen in that scrum. So they were obviously frustrated. Arthur Smith comes running across the field, right? And this just gets in Dennis's face. Like, what the F are you doing? I This is, this is. You know, you shouldn't do this, but more expletives, of course. And then I think it did you see Dennis Allen trying to like console him? Like, hey man, yeah. He tried to put the hand on his back and go, Hey yeah, man, I, I did it's not what I called. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Arthur Smith wasn't happen having any of it at the time. So I heard a few people just saying, I don't know, I think it was Shannon Sharp was like if your coach goes on it's on to the podium and says I called the victory formation kneel down and the players basically called a mutiny and said no we're running the ball in um he's like I'm firing the coach and I'm cutting Jameis Winston tomorrow yeah I mean he's Onk has turned into like old man's sitting in his lawn yelling at clouds sometimes I mean I get it you don't start firing people for making mistakes but definitely there's a conversation to be had about like who we want to be yeah. Yep. All right. Beat that one to death. Uh, both those teams eliminated, by the way. We won't talk about them till next year <laughs> or maybe in the coaching conversation later on in the pod. All right. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Carolina's already eliminated. They're the worst team in the league. Uh, they would have the first round or their the very first pick of the NFL 2024 NFL draft, but they traded that away to the Bears. Uh, for Tampa Bay, it was which a must-win. Which is probably why David Tepper was throwing drinks on fans last week. He's so pissed it's off. A, it's his own fault. Oh, yeah. No, he's good. You got to get out of himself, man. Big time. If, it, if it's true that their coach wanted to get C.J. Stroud and he uh, circumvented the process in order to force somebody to sign Bryce Young or to draft Bryce Young, it's on him. You see this all the time with some of these new owners. They just can't help themselves. Yeah. Like Mara's not in the Giants' room. Like Woody is not in the Jets' room. Um, you know if these I, guys. If I was an owner, I would want to be in there. But I'm gonna. I'm letting the people that I'm paying to make these decisions make these decisions. If I was a, a owner of a six billion dollar football team, I don't want anyone to know what I look like. That's true. 
I wouldn't be any part of that stuff. I would hire people that knew what they were doing. I would hire people that knew how, how to hire people and, you know, trust the, the work that I'm, you know, and, it, and if it comes to a point where we have issues and, you know, we meet weekly, bi-weekly, whatever it is to go, okay, what, what do you, what do you guys need? I, we have a three game losing streak. What do you guys need to be successful here? And just start having those conversations. I don't mind being involved in that. And I'm, but I don't want to be out in front telling my general manager, you know, how to play the wrong move. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. All right. I think the story of this game, Mike is DJ Chark Jr. Dropping that fumbling the ball through the end zone. Um, I hear they're going to do, they're going to, they're going to, um, Go away, they're going to do away with that rule where it's a touchback. Oh, are they? That's what I heard. The uh, NFL be, doesn't like it. That'll be interesting, but yeah, that that hurts bad, man. Because um, you know, then it's seven nothing. I or seven to six, maybe. I don't know. If maybe that was in the first quarter. I cannot remember. But either way, um, it's a, it's a completely different ball game at that point. Um, you know, things are going to play out different. This was not. I mean. Baker Mayfield was clearly injured favoring his ankle, I believe. And just the, the offense looked so stagnant. I mean, I guess Rashad white rushed for 75 yards. That's about the highlight of their, of their game. Um, and they had three, three kicks, uh, three field goals. So not the, uh, not the peak of offense that you really want to see going into the playoffs, but um, they had to win the game. They did win the game. They're going on. Yeah, so it looks like Chark's fumble would have been um, roughly, yeah, it happened just at the beginning of the second quarter. So it was 0-0 at that point. Okay, yeah. Um, so it could have potentially kind of changed the, the equation for, for Tampa. Um, but as it is, they won 9-0, another baseball score from the NFC South. Um Tampa Bay, they won the South. They secure the fourth seed. Baker played horribly. Uh, I heard this somewhere the other day, and I'm, I, I, do, I, I don't remember where I heard it from, but it made perfect sense. I think it was Ben Solak on his uh, on his Twitter, but he said Baker, um, one, he he doesn't do well when you believe. He has. It seems like once you believe that he can do this, like, hey, you're the best quarterback in the nfc south baker we believe in you he just went downhill but the second you're like this guy's garbage he always does this i mean he's then he starts throwing bombs everywhere i don't i don't i don't get this guy sometimes it's hard to hard to pin that one down just so erratic and so when he looks so panicked when there's pressure around him so um we'll talk about some matchups that he'll have to deal with a little bit later and, and kind of see how he fares out but um could go pretty bad for him in this first round um yeah that's all i had carolina has not scored uh a point one single point in two straight weeks so uh they have a lot of work to do on offense yep i agree all right moving along chicago at green bay green bay again as we discussed was the linchpin uh for the mb uh the nfc south nba Got it on my brain, I guess. Uh, the NFC uh, playoff scenarios. Uh, Chicago's already eliminated. Uh, Green Bay wins in their end. 
Um, they, uh, with the win, they eliminated Seattle and New Orleans. Um, Jordan Love looked really good. I mean, his numbers weren't like bonkers, uh, but he looked accurate. I guess three sixteens uh, above bonkers. That's pretty bonkers, I guess. He looked accurate. He 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 looked calm. He looked like he had ownership of that team and what they were doing. Yeah. Um, I I thought he played really well. Um, but again, I think for me, Aaron Jones is Green Bay's most important player. Yeah. Uh, if he's healthy, um, then I think Green Bay has potential to go in a deep run. Um, let's not forget this is the youngest team in the NFL. I think they have like I forget the stat. It was like. Every single member of this team or like 80% of the members were born in like 2000 and 2001 or something like that. I I mean, this is bonkers. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Jones and Jordan Love both looked good. And if they can keep playing like that um, into the playoffs here, it's going to be, they might be able to pull off an upset or two. Well, it looks like even after this win, uh, Matt Eberflus is going to keep his job in Chicago. They felt like he was able to teach these guys up enough um, over the course of the year to give him another year. Um, they fired their offensive coordinator, which may be the actual issue here. So I'm okay with that. Let's let's fire the offensive coordinator. I'll tell you what, it did backfire. I thought that we were going to see some improvement with the Chargers when they fired their offensive coordinator last year. And, and uh, I didn't see they actually regressed because they were in playoff contention last year, and this year they were eliminated like by week 14 or 15. So, Well, look at Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City. I mean, their offense is in shambles as well. Well, there's the counter-argument for, you know, allowing your offensive court, allowing a good offensive coordinator to get out of your building, and then what you then you bring in Matt Nagy, and then kind of that. Speaking of the – Matt Nagy was the coach for the um, – uh, for the for the Giants, I'm not the Giants, the Bears before Eberflus, and I believe he was coach of the year, and then the next year was fired, and I think that's only happened twice, him and of uh, Rabel, where the prior year that they were the coach of the year, and then they were let go the next year. Yeah, or maybe it was two years later because I think what was Rabel the coach of the year? I thought it was Dayball. Anyways, yeah. Maybe it was just think maybe about it was NFC and AFC play, uh, coach of the year. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know one way or the other. Or yeah. just coach of the year, but either way, they were yeah. I think let's let's have let's have the Justin Fields conversation here. I think a lot of people are. Um, there's really two scenarios, right? You keep Justin Fields, and then you trade that number one pick back to try to get more assets and maybe get another player that you need on your team, whether that's a wide receiver or defensive uh, rush or defensive tackle, whatever. Um, or you select a quarterback, let's say Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback in the, in the draft uh, and then trade Justin Fields. The biggest yeah. pro that I heard from that is that, and this is a money issue, not a talent issue that Justin Fields is going to cost 40 to 50 million in a year. And you're going to have to pay that. Whereas with Caleb, you get him at like 10 million a year for the next three to four years. Right. So usually what they do is they go three years, they re-sign them for the big deal. And then they have that fourth year 
where they extend them and that they can pay them 10 million on that fourth year. And then they get the big money after that. So um, that's something uh, Justin Fields, just like, we have no idea what Caleb Williams is going to do. And at I least heard, Justin Fields is a known quantity. I saw a quote from Ryan Pace, I think is the GM of GM. Yeah. The bears. And he said, Something along the lines of, I think that Justin Fields could be our quarterback of the future. And there was definitely a but in there. We're in a unique situation. So he wouldn't, like, he said they, and obviously if they're going to select Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields, they're going to try to talk Justin Fields up as much as possible and point to the rushing stats and all these other things. Yeah. Um, and we're in that subterfuge stage of, of uh, the football year where we talk about how awesome the guy is. And um, I would think it would be unprecedented to trade back your first pick in a quarterback year like this. I think there's probably three or four quarterbacks that are worthy of a first round, probably three. Um, and to miss out on those opportunities, um, unless you think you can get a Penix or, uh, I mean, Penix in this offense is just going to get obliterated. Um, they got Bo Nix too, maybe later on. There's all sorts of, you know, places they can go with this, but I mean, it would be unprecedented, I would think. And this, this year of quarterbacks to, uh, to step back. Yeah, I think if I had to make a prediction, they're going to trade Justin Fields and select Caleb Williams. But what do I know? <laughs> I just I we talked about uh, previous episodes, all the places we'd like to see Justin Fields go. I hope he lands someplace where he's appreciated for who he is as a player, somebody that can help develop him on some of the anticipation throws. I think that's probably his next thing. He's definitely got the arm. He's got accuracy. It's just sometimes he waits and holds. He needs to be able to throw these guys open. You see it with DJ Moore all the time. He trusts him. You see a lot of anticipation throws um, with him, but no one else. No one else at all. I have a hot hot take on Justin Fields when we get to take corners. Oh, awesome. Can't wait. All right. Anything else on this uh, Bears, Justin Fields, or uh, the Green Bay win? All right. Good job for Green Bay getting into the playoffs. They they did what they couldn't do last year. Yeah, there you go. And, and that's uh, weird sa- that it was the exact same situation last year that it was did, except it was Detroit going to Green Bay to, uh, and if Green Bay won, then Seattle was eliminated, and it actually happened just the opposite so this year. So interesting. You know, for the most part, you get the same teams in the top <clears throat> seven to eight. Uh, let's say even ten in in each um, divi- in each conference. They they move around a little bit. Is it KC? Is it Buffalo? Is it? But they're all still up in that top five, and you right. see that level. They talk about parity. There isn't a lot. You can you have an opportunity if you have a good drafting year and you were the fourth seed before to elevate to maybe the second or first seed, but honestly most of this is about who's your quarterback and what is the health of your team and what is your what's your schedule 
for the year? And what is the health of your team going into the playoffs? Yep. All right. Philly at New York. Um, New York Giants already eliminated. Uh, Philly, they're in no matter what. Um, there was some seeding implications. They could potentially get that number two seed with the Dallas and Detroit loss. Um, so, yeah, they had something to play for. Um, but they're in a tailspin right now. Eagles Island, it was destroyed by a giant. FEMA has boots on the ground. It's it's chaos down there, man. Um, we're going to have to, like, postpone our vacation out there. Uh, but Philly's defense doesn't seem to be able to stop anybody. Um, they have some key injuries on the offense that I think is going to significantly hinder their ability to win games in the playoffs. A.J. Brown went down with, with what looked like a knee. Um, Devontae Smith uh, was out for a majority of that game. Swift didn't play, but I think they probably held him back. Um, without that, I mean, what's his name? Um, hurt is, is hurt as well. Hurts is hurt. Um, and that defense looks like they're just gassed. like, like, like that, that meme where the dump truck throws the garbage cans. That's what Philly's defense looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I was watching, you know, I'd see clips of this game and it was going on when they were down 24 nothing going to halftime. Um Dallas was only up by 4 points against Washington. They were I think they were up 14 to 10 at that. 14 10, yeah. And I know they did they did add another touchdown before halftime and they just went off in the second half, but I mean, you're you, you still have something to play for, and that's what scares me about Philly, man. I don't know if they're getting out of Tampa Bay on Sunday. We'll get to our picks later, but um, I, I, nothing would surprise me at this point. Yeah, they they had Tyrod Taylor out there looking like Michael Vick. I mean, it was crazy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. No pressure on him whatsoever. Uh, some other New York Giants news. Um, they moved on from defensive co coordinator uh, Wink Martindale. Um, I'm not a huge fan of him or Flores or any of these like high blitz, blitz no matter what defensive coordinators. Um, I think for good quarterbacks and good teams and good schemes, you can, uh, especially guys who get the ball out very fast and know how to throw hot and all that kind of other stuff. Um, you can beat these teams, um, pretty easily because it puts, you know, your secondary, it, you know, it, it puts your secondary at high leverage situations, you know, so I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't see a lot of like his teams, his defensives, his defenses have competed. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether I want old guy blitzer on my team who's already fighting with a, with a previous head coach. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they did say on Twitter today that, um, uh, not that that's the end all be all, but they did say that, uh, there were reports that, uh, Dayball and Martindale got in like a screaming match. Yeah, uh, this week. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was just in the, in the exit interview, and then he basically yeah. like stormed out of the building and sent his resignation via email or something. Although he probably sent it with a stamp. Yeah, probably. he's so old. What is this electronic mail? That's hilarious. All right, enough of this game. Uh, Seattle at Arizona again. Arizona already eliminated. Uh, Seattle was a must win and they needed um, a Green Bay loss 
But alas, they were eliminated with that Green Bay win. I was, I did respect the fact that they continued to fight through that game, even when they knew, and they just kind of to go up, go in and beat a divisional rival uh, in their house. Um, defense, Seattle's I mean, defense. Arizona more lost that game than Seattle won it, but fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it was really nothing. Defense, the Seattle defense continued to display an inability to stop the run. That's a major problem. Geno had a pretty poor statistical game um except on that great final drive he went five for five on the last drive including a touchdown and two-point conversion he's kind of been doing that all year when we really needed a drive in a close game i think he's got like seven of them or whatever it is um the the problem i think is where the other three and a half quarters there isn't a lot coming from him either so he had a couple of good games where we got into the 30s and scoring, but mostly we're in like 15 and 22 and 24. And, you know, I'd like to see a much more explosive offense and then a defense that can kind of tackle people would be nice, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, Kyler Murray looked great in this game. Uh, James Connor, man, what that guy is something else and i'm not sure how old he is um but he's got to be you know pretty old for a running back at this point and he's just still making plays man i love it he's 28 um still got a 28 yeah he's really close to that (laughs) that precipice there 30 the line of demarcation um i think it's I love the Arizona offense. I think they're going to be really good next year um, if they can get a couple of more pieces. I think they need – Michael Carter did good towards the end of the season, but I'd like to see some more solid depth in their running back. Get them in later rounds. They definitely need a number one receiver, somebody that can take the double teams and beat them, like a Marvin Harrison type um, – was that kid at Washington Rome something somebody that has that level of ball skills and ability and speed and just the, the good combination of everything that you'd want to see they need a player like that to kind of get them over the top and then they need to absolutely draft defense for the rest of the draft they need a lot of depth there agreed man agreed where does where does Seattle uh after they got done with their victory cigars where do they turn uh where do you think they go in the draft? Just trenches? Uh, uh yeah. Hole, in your opinion. Well, their their biggest hole is a linebacker and they need some depth on the defensive line. They need some speed and pass rushing. Um I think our biggest problem this year was not ability or the players that we drafted. It was health. We had a lot of we had to cycle through a lot of offensive or line offensive and defensive line players. Um, we brought in a uh, a couple of guys to kind of uh, reinvigorate the defensive line. Um, and you know, it was worth a flyer to bring in Leonard, but I mean, I'm not sure it moved the needle very much. But I think if you start can add, start adding some of these pieces. I think we're really solid in the secondary. Maybe get some depth in there. I think we're really solid there. I think what we need is one outside pass rush that can make a difference and get people off their spots. And we need like the middle of that of our defense needs to be able to 
tackle, make some plays. I mean, a Roquan Smith would be nice. Somebody in the middle of that defense. You know, I love Bobby Wagner. He's going in the ring of fame for sure. Maybe even a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl winner, uh, team captain. He's a little slow. And I think we need some speed in the middle, some bang in the middle, and we need to start, you know, that's where I would start on defense. Offensive line, I mean, <laughs> it was a travesty this year. I mean, I'm not sure what else you can do with that. Um, that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes where you lose half of your team to injury. Um, I think our running backs are pretty good. Um, receivers, I and mean, I don't know how long Tyler Lockett has. Maybe get some more depth there. Um, quarterback, let's have the Geno Smith conversation. Yeah. I think this is the biggest deal. Um. So I watched Justin Fields go back um, for a pass. And then I don't know how he saw it because the way his helmet was looking, I'm not sure how he did, but somehow sensed that he was about to get decapitated by the Green Bay defender and got down. So whatever it was, peripheral vision, spidey sense, like whatever, you know, eyes in the back of the head, whatever it was, he had great awareness, awareness of time, spatial awareness, you know, good peripheral, like whatever it was, he figured that stuff out and didn't cause a, a fumble or anything or make it worse than a sack. And that's the one thing that I see with Gino that he time and time again, and these tight games would make those kind of mistakes, just not seeing what was around him correctly, not correctly diagnosing who was coming at him and what he was supposed to do with it. Um, and that's the one worry I have with him. And his, his inconsistency throwing the ball, I think, is another thing for me. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think they definitely need to evaluate the situation. And, you know, whatever, whoever the new head coach is or offensive coordinator or whoever's going to be running the offense needs a uh, – you're gonna have to take a long, long, hard look and see what what makes the most sense. So, if we have an opportunity to draft a quarterback that we think would fit our scheme and do all that kind of other stuff, I mean, we got a third round quarterback with Russell, and he got, took us to the to the Super Bowl. So, I won't say if we get an opportunity for a first round quarterback, we should take it. I don't know if that's necessarily the solution at a forty percent hit rate, but. Just think about how, like with Russell, what it what it's like to hit on a guy, and you have the stability of Geno Smith there as well, to kind of right keep that ship going in the right direction. I think he's a good quarterback, but I think obviously to win in this league, you need a great quarterback. Yeah, agreed. All right, Dallas at Washington again. Another scenario where one team was eliminated, Washington. And uh, Dallas had some seating implications. Um, Dallas played their starters throughout the game. I, I just didn't get it. Um, you know, it's funny, like like I mentioned before, they could have been the two seed, the three seed, or the five seed, depending on how this day worked out. Uh, but they was pretty much up at half. Dallas was up 21 to 10 at halftime. Didn't really look back. I think it was, had an opportunity to, to kind of pull those starters and, you know, well, still they, maintain they, they, the second seed. They must have pulled – Cooper or uh, Dak Prescott at some point because Cooper rushed through four passes in the game. Maybe, I mean, four, but I mean, that was well into the fourth quarter. Was it? I was going to say maybe they let him play the whole fourth quarter. I wasn't sure, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, either way, that that seemed like a little too, especially like seeing that Philadelphia was down twenty four nothing. Um, I guess there was still a potential to to lose that uh, number two seed to Detroit though as well. So no, no, yeah, they. Well, I guess if they lost, they would have had a worse record. So yeah, I guess there there was some something to play for in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, but still, once you're up by that much, it doesn't really make sense to keep uh keep those guys in. So yeah, hopefully they got. Yeah, I mean, luckily nobody got injured. That's uh, always a good thing. But CD yeah. Lamb has another. I mean, these thirteen catches, man. This dude is on another level right now. So I want to say I apologize to CD Lamb. Uh, I did not. I was not a believer last season, and I carried that into the first few games of this season. But as it as you saw the consistency from him week to week, I became a believer in what his potential could be. Uh, this year, um, obviously, he broke a couple of single season reception record. The reception record for 135 total receptions, and then he also uh, broke receiving yards at 1749 yards for the Dallas Cowboys. So to come in and have a season like this where he breaks some records, um, he's got me convinced and. Um, yeah, I'll definitely roll the next year going, you know, that C.D. Lamb kid, he's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ron Rivera uh, loses his job after this game. Uh, Thank like, goodness. Kind of all thought he would. Yeah, time time for him to be done. For sure. And I think it was coming, like, regardless. I mean, th- there was no real scenario where the commanders were going to be at the top of the NFL. They, they really did nothing to, to change their trajectory in the off season. Um, they traded away players. They continued to start Sam Howell um, and kind of hang their hat on that guy. They did nothing really to like improve. And once you see that, it's basically like, all right, we're going to give it. We don't need to make the decision now. We're just going to let this guy do his thing. And then we're going to just, have that conversation when we need to. And I appreciate that approach from Josh in this scenario, the owner of the, of the, like I know him personally, Josh. Um, uh, I appreciate him just going, let's, let's have some stability right now. I know we're not where we need to be, but we can get there and we need to kind of look at how we're going to handle this moving forward. I hope that that's how he's thinking. Um, yeah. I like the approach. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. right. Last game of the week. Yeah. Buffalo at Miami. Uh, It's uh, Buffalo. I wouldn't say must win anymore because of that, um, that Jacksonville game, but it really had some seating um, implications. The winner uh, is the uh, sixth seed and the loser is the uh, third seed and the winner of the AFC South. Yeah. So there's a scenario. Josh, despite his performance, 359 passing yards, two touchdowns, 67 rushing, Miami was able to stick into this game like all night. And it and it was due to, to the three turnovers for sure. Josh Allen's turning the ball over by himself three times. That's a, that's a tough one. I felt like when I was watching this game, I saw that they finally found that teams can rush against this. They were 
Miami did this against um, Dallas, um, and they should have continued to do it the next week. Who did they play after Dallas with the loss? Baltimore. They had Baltimore early where they were running against that defense. And they, for some reason, like they did in this game, stopped doing it in the second half. And I don't know if they needed to. I mean, the scores were not so crazy. It was 7-14. to 14. I don't think there was any – there should have been any panic. Play the – continue to run the ball and see if they can stop you and then take some shots downfield. But instead, it seemed like they just wanted to, like, you know, get Tua involved in the game. And I just – I don't know what the game plan was, but it just always irks me when we don't – do the things that make us successful, make them stop you. Hey, if you go out and run the ball and they start stopping you, I mean, okay, let's mix it up a little bit. What can we do? But I don't know. Yeah. It was just, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette made an appearance for, for Buffalo in this game. I saw they just signed him uh, off the street a couple weeks ago, I believe. So uh, he got a little run, but yeah, Josh Allen, man, you got to cut down on those turnovers, especially in the playoffs. And uh, you know, hopefully, you guys, I, I'm rooting for, uh, I'm rooting for Buffalo. I'm rooting for Miami too, just because I want to selfishly keep seeing new episodes of Hard Knocks. Hey, hey, Jeremy, you only live once, man. I know. All right, well, that's the games. Um, let's move to our next segment, um, Jeremy's question of the week. So go ahead. Are we not going to do looking forward for? Are we just, I guess, we're looking forward. Oh, do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, well, let's let's do our our bets for what we think. So, what we decided to do is kind of money line bet, um, the games for the wild card weekend, and kind of roll with it that way. So, who did you, who did you have? First game, Cleveland at Houston. Cleveland at Houston. I'm picking Houston. All right, I got Cleveland minus one twenty four. Miami at Kansas City. Uh, I am gonna. I put down Miami. I think I'm I'm putting down Miami just because I want them to win. I don't necessarily think they'll win, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll the dice. Okay, Miami it is. All right, I picked KC. It's gonna be the coldest game in yeah. like this century in an NFL game. So that'll be fun for a Dolphin. All right, next game Pittsburgh at uh, Buffalo. I have Buffalo. It's Buffalo. it's chalk basically. It's minus six fifty, but without without TJ. Well, let's let's start. I'm going to back up for a second. So Cleveland at Houston. I look at this game and I go, can C.J. Watt overcome that defense? C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. Sorry. Can they can you overcome that that defense with the new Watt brother? That was awesome. Or is there a C.J. No, it's like a Wyatt. I don't know. I don't know what the other Watt brother is, like the the fullback. C.J. T.J. And now we've got C.J. R.J. R.J. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so sorry, C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I think it's going to be – let's put it this way. He's impressed us all year, so there's always potential for him to just figure it out and make some plays. Um, somebody else is on that offense is going to have to step up other than Nico Collins because I think Cleveland's D is going to um, do their best to shut him down. So other receivers need to step step up. That running game really needs to get better. Singletary did not look good on Saturday. Um, I think the one equalizing thing here is with Cleveland. You got Joe Flacco. He is ready to give you four interceptions. Um, and could it happen? You know, Houston's at home. So could it happen there? 
you know, who knows? So I, I just look at the better defense uh, and lack of weapons in Houston. That, that was why I picked, picked Cleveland. So anyways, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I picked Houston in that one. Um, yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. So are you just trying to move on to the next game or? Do you want well, to- yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I, 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 I like, I, I had- like that young Houston offense and that, you know, that's, that's the main reason I picked them. I just feel like, yeah, Joe, like you mentioned, Joe Flacco uh, loves turning the ball over and um, yeah, it's just a young, exciting Houston team, man. He's a young, exciting coach. I think, uh, I think they've really hit and, and done things you know they re they rebuilt flipped that whole thing around real quick and uh, it's it's paying off uh, big time for them and I'm I'm excited to see it. I'll put it this way: if Houston wins this game, my jaw's not going to hit the floor or anything. Oh no! And, I, I'll, and I and I'll be really happy for them too. But I think when you look at the team as a whole, Cleveland's probably it has the best um, like group on the field with that, with that defense. And I think the, the yeah. team with the best group, you know, they have to go with. So uh, let's analyze the Miami at KC again. I chose KC uh, because I think their defense is better. They're healthier. Um, I also sure, think yeah. you have my homes. What's they, that? And they're used to playing in the cold. So. Yeah. Right. And I, well, I, before I made this pick, I was like, I didn't realize it was going to be that cold, but um, it, they have Pat Mahomes. Uh, Miami hasn't really fared well against, um, you know, teams over 500 this year. So um, unless they get up early somehow, they have a good running game. So maybe maybe that's the, in, in the cold and the snow. Maybe that's the thing that changes the, the math on this if they stick with that. Um, there isn't going to be a lot of shots downfield to Tyreek to open up that offense. Probably not a lot of yak. We saw that with New England and the Jets last week when it was snowing on the field, these guys were just kind of like, it's basically how you have cleats and you're walking on concrete. You know what that's like when you're slipping and sliding and you take little steps, that's what they look like out there. So I don't know. I'm going to go with the tried and true KC here. And literally the only reason I'm picking Miami is because I want to see the hard knocks season continue. Again, literally if Miami wins this game, I will be so happy for them because I really like this Miami team and it would be great to see them go to the to the next round. All right, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Uh, I have Buffalo. You have Buffalo as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so for me, the Pittsburgh offense is garbage. I think that's a full stop there. Um, without without T.J. Watt, not C.J. Watt, but without T.J. Watt uh, in this game, I'm not sure they have enough depth in the defensive front to – really put a scare into the Buffalo offense. So um, I think their only thing that they can do if they want is run the football again, run the football. It's going to be super cold in Buffalo. I don't think that affects Pittsburgh as much as it does Miami, but it's going to be super cold up there. My guess is a a heavy run game, heavy defense. Uh, And I think if that's the equation, you know, that's the only scenario where I think Pittsburgh can win this game. So um, based on that, I just went Buffalo. Pittsburgh's too inconsistent throughout the year. Uh, Buffalo's not like in a six and one run or something like that to finish off the season. I like that momentum. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, with TJ Watt out, that was, I was debating for a little bit, but then when I heard TJ Watt was definitely or more than likely not playing in this game, I don't think you can uh, go against Buffalo. Either. 
Right on. All right. Green Bay at Dallas. Who did you have? Uh, Dallas. I decided to go with Dallas, but I would love it if Green Bay would win. <laughs> yeah, one. I got Dallas as well. They're at home going against a Joe Barry defense, which hasn't been very good this year. So uh, advantage Dallas. Green Bay's young. Hasn't really been in a playoff scenario like this. Kevin Love is not – Kevin Love. Jesus. Jordan Love has not been in uh, a playoff game either. So there's – my guess is they come in with some butterflies, maybe start slow. Um, and start slow against Dallas at home with that defense is really not a good good uh, recipe for success. So I got Dallas as well. Yeah, Dallas's offense is just too much for that Green Bay defense, I think. And Agreed. Um, Dak seems to be playing out of his mind right now. I think he only leaves 31 for 36 in this game on Sunday, which is incredible, incredibly accurate, um, you know, high complete. So, yeah, I will say when these two play, teams played last year, Dak threw uh, three interceptions to Green Bay, I believe. Well, so. we, we can hope. We can dream and hope. But uh, <laughs> I just think Dallas probably. I think Dallas will go out eventually at some point. I don't think they're as good as the top. Well, the 49ers at this point, So, but you never know. All right, the Rams at Detroit. I have the Rams. Who do you have? Ooh, I took Detroit, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. So we have a scenario. We got Matt Stafford, former Detroit, first pick of the Detroit Lions, coming back to Detroit to play his old team. Uh, Jared Goff, former Ram, who took him to the Super Bowl. Now the, the quarterback of Detroit kind of going at it there's some you know some good uh storylines involved with this i think the rams for some reason are just a really good team i think that offense is going to torch uh the defense of of detroit the one thing that i'm uncertain about is how the rams defense will fare uh we talked about this throughout this season they have a lot of third fourth and fifth round are undrafted players in that and on that defense. Um, so you kind of, they haven't been in situations like this. And I think defenses are the Detroit offense is really good this year. They have a lot of weapons, um, a lot of places that, you know, that golf can dump it to. I think their run game's really solid. They got one of the best offensive lines in the league. Um, although man, if that defense can get some pressure on golf, he, he gets really wobbly, I guess, apparently good on the blitz, but get people around him or moving off his spots or messing up his timing. That's where he gets a little, um, gets a little choppy. So yeah. I, I picked the Rams mostly because of that offense versus the Detroit defense. Yep. Yep. I, I can see it. Um, but yeah, like I'm just, I'm selfishly again, rooting for like my heart is with Detroit just because they, this is their first home playoff game. And, 25 years, 26 years, something like that. Yeah. Again, this is another scenario where if Detroit wins, I'd be super happy for them and for the Detroit fans. And I think it makes uh, the narrative and the playoffs um, just, just as good either way, really. Yeah. I can't um, going either way though. Yeah. There, and speaking um, of storylines, there are a few good ones. Cause you know, Kansas city, you got Miami, Kansas city of Tyreek going back to Kansas city. Um, Green Bay, Dallas, you have Mike McCarthy going back to Green Bay. And then, of course, uh, the Rams and, and Detroit with the quarterback swap there. So it'd be fun to and see. And Philly, Philly and Tampa, a rematch, I believe, of the, the – was it the NFC? 
no, that was um, the divisional round. Re, you know, yeah. Uh, replay of the divisional round. So, anyway, so speaking of Philly at Tampa, I have Tampa winning this game at home. Me too. Uh, I'm out on Philly right now. I think. I think. Huh? I thought that was going to be a big shocker. I was going to be like, "Oh, I got Tampa upsetting your boys." But, <laughs> no, I don't think they're. I don't think they're playing right now. And if, if I'm just going to be honest, you know, with my feelings about that, I'm still going to be an Eagles fan. But um, I don't think they're doing what they need to do to be successful in the playoffs. They're going into um, this with like a going three. Uh, one for four in the last four games. Uh, so three losses. I don't like teams limping into the playoffs and um, having success. It's hard to just turn it on like right now. So uh, I think there's a lot of problems and scheme. And here's what I, one of the things that I heard is they got a lot of these uh, over the last two years, they got four, what they were supposed to be major contributors to their team from the, former national champion uh georgia bulldogs where those guys guys go in there and because of the the rotation that they had they play 12 games 14 whatever it is if you're going all the way but they play less games and they rotate them in and out so so much they play 25 30 minutes total so as the year grinds down in the nfl where you're expected to play 60 to 70 percent of the snaps you play an extra three or four games, depending on where you end up. Um, it really starts to grind on these players, um, especially the young guys. They're not up to the physical load of what the NFL um, has typically. And that seems to be the case here. They can't play a lot of those guys right now. So I think they just have the like a reduced defensive line. And I think that's the, the key to them winning is getting pressure on the opposing quarterbacks they're weak everywhere everywhere else on their defense. So without pressure, they just can't do anything. And because of the slow and methodical offense that they have, I think it just with, you know, occasional explosive plays, but I think they're missing some guys. So those explosive plays will probably go away. I just don't see how they, with, with that lack of weapons and, and talent out there on the field, I just don't know how they win. Yeah. I think uh, it's going to be really tough. Um, but I could really, I could see this game going either way again. Like there's a lot of really of games that should be really great games. Um, yeah. I think All fun to watch for this, sure. Like this is more of like a really great game in the sense that the score is close, but it's probably going to be some really bad football because both of these teams are playing pretty terribly right now, uh, at least offensively. It, it, and it is the Monday night game, this Tampa Bay or uh, Philly at Tampa Bay. So it's like the lone game on Monday night. We'll see how it goes. All right, man. Uh, you ready for the question of the week, Mike? Let's do the question of the week. All right. If you were build, if you were building a franchise from scratch starting today, how many quarterbacks would you take over CJ Stroud? Me personally, four: Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. And I have CJ Stroud there at five, and then Josh Josh Allen right after him. Uh, some Josh out where Josh Allen was at. If you would put him, uh, in, that's the one guy I was wondering about. So I think he's the line, right? He's the place where you argue one way or the other. Some people may have him at five. Some people might have him at six. Um, but to me, C.J. Stroud, even without the experience and kind of like the 
the long um, track record of being a good quarterback, the things that I'm seeing, um, the lack of mistakes throughout the year, all those types of things are very important to me, should be very important to anyone starting uh, a franchise and, and wanting to have a star quarterback in there. To me, Josh Allen, as exciting as he is to watch, uh, as smart as a player as he seems to be, uh, as nice as a person as he seems to be, he kind of blacks out sometimes. And if I was a fan, I'd be super frustrated. Hey, we're down on the two-yard line, and then I'm going to throw an interception to Eli Apple. I don't want to see that stuff. Um, they did that. Didn't wasn't it them in Tennessee, uh, Cincinnati last year on week eight or one of those weeks, maybe the playoffs where they fumbled it um, on the one-yard line, trying to run Josh Allen and like. Um, was it Hendricks or one of the defensive linemen for Cincinnati picked it up and ran it back? Um, yeah, I think so. So it's like that's the kind of stuff that I don't want to see. I want some consistency um, in my – and, and like I would – the ball to the one-yard line when you have to either get in the end zone or, or throw the ball away to get, be able to kick a field goal right before halftime. Yeah. I just trust the other guys. I think Justin Herbert, I'm still – I'm still on his bandwagon. I think he's he hasn't really shown it yet. Let's put it that way. But the the upside to him is just bonkers. But the top three Mahomes, Jackson, and Burrow have all done it um, in big games in the playoffs. Um, been to the Super Bowl, Sands, Lamar Jackson. Um, uh, that might be different this year, but you know, those are my top three for sure. But CJ Stroud's right up there, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, All right. I added a little spot here called coaches and the teams needing them. Pretty straightforward. What I'd like to do is discuss with you um, all the teams that have lost, that fired or, you know, fired their coaches or coaches um, decided to resign. And then a couple of candidates that are still kind of quote unquote free agents at the moment. So, and basically what I want you to think of is what is the ideal coach in your opinion for this team, given their roster and their ownership group and where they are and all that kind of other stuff. So my first one is Jacksonville. What, what, who would you like to see in that spot? I want to see like a quarterback guru type of coach offensive minded um like can it be anybody or just like has to be somebody available available yeah because yeah i would love to see like sean mcveigh or mike mcdaniels or what about eric the enemy yeah i i wouldn't mind eric the enemy there that that would i think that would be a, a good let, let, here here's my my choice would be bill belichick really I'm going to zag to your zig. They have a solid defense that I think he can improve. They have a solid quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. So he can kind of like work with him to manage that offense. Um, he would want to have some personnel decisions. So then you get at least get, get rid of uh, Trent Balky from giving $20 million to a, a wide receiver too. Um, they have a weak division. So that's another thing that makes it handy for getting into those playoffs and going deep runs and, you know, padding your win stats. Um, I think this, I think just in general, Jacksonville needs some discipline. And I think he's the kind of player 
or a coach rather that can can provide that for him. Yeah, I I don't I don't dislike that. I mean, I think I would. Yeah, I mean that's. And then you tuck him down in Florida. You really don't have to deal with him. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> All right, Tennessee uh, released Mike Rabel. Rabel, uh, I think this week. Uh, what what would you like to see there? They have a decent defense. Um, quarterback situations up in the air. I'm likely not going to re-sign uh, Henry. Um, they need some work on the wide receivers. Uh, so what, what's your what's your take for them? Uh, you know, I do like that defense a lot that they have down there. Uh, do they regress with Rabel leaving though? Yeah, that's true. So I I would I could see Dan Quinn fitting in there nicely. And if he can mm. pick, and if he, you know, obviously he pulled Kyle Shanahan in as his first offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Um, you know, if he, if he's got that same eye for, for the offense, you know, maybe bring somebody in that can work with Will Levis and. Um, How about Arthur Smith? Bring him back as OC. Uh, that would be interesting, man. Those two seem like they could be two kind of peas in a pod, Arthur Smith and Dan Quinn. Uh, well, think think about it. He has pretty much he he did well, kind of getting Tannehill up to that that good borderline, that great actually great borderline there for a season or two, where he was, you know, top in you know quarterback efficiency and all this other stuff. And maybe he comes back. Got to get a got to replace Derrick Henry, but um, kind of can run the same think, things with Levis. I don't think Ty J Spears is you know like a terrible running back either he is a little small maybe you need like a kind of a thunder to his lightning but maybe maybe somebody to carry the bulk of the load yeah but or maybe you have two smaller guys that you kind of rotate in and out but I, i'm always a fan of like the larger and the smaller just kind of change of pace yeah. depending on the situation in the game um but yeah interesting for tennessee not a lot of thoughts there okay new england i think it's just going to be mike Vrabel. i don't and i'm not sure yeah, who else it could be right that's mine as well Maybe bring Josh Daniels in as the OC there, get him out from being the coach. Sometimes like it, it's like the Josh Daniels, like Arthur Smith issue where once you put them in a space where they can just focus on one thing and don't have to deal with personnel and don't have to be doing post-game press conferences and, and kind of explaining why one week he puts in Mariota and the next week he takes him out, puts in Desmond Ritter, um, and just lets him focus on that offense. I think Josh McDaniels flourishes better in that space, and maybe Arthur Smith does as well. Yeah. All right, these next the, – no, go ahead, sorry. No, that's I, I just agree with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good – that would be a good combo out there. My, my next two are I'm, – I'm not even sure where to go with these uh, – Atlanta and Carolina – um, I have Eric Bieniemy for either of these. I would think I would like to see him more in Atlanta. Um, I have still have a lot of faith in that Atlanta team. I think they need some defensive depth, but they're they they improved substantially this year over last year. Um, I, I think they have a good offensive core. They need a quarterback for sure. I would have I would rather have Case Keenum than these two guys as my starting quarterback. I know yeah. that's not the solution. Maybe Kirk Cousins. 
It sounds like Kirk Cousins really wants to go back to Minnesota, though. He's well, to- that's the word on the street. He said he'd take a hometown discount to go there, but we'll you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It depends on what the draft looks like, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I could see Eric Bieniemy um, in Atlanta for sure. And what was the second team that you? Carolina. Mentioned? I wouldn't even know. Like I would touch Carolina with a ten foot pole, so I would think it would have to be somebody like maybe Josh McDaniels. Like, hey, I can do it. Bring me in. Like, right. and goes in there and just another bad decision. Or if Eric uh, thinks he can can work with this tiny quarterback, little baby quarterback, uh, maybe. He well, can... I, again, I have them question marks. Eric Bieniemy. Um, and what we're saying the, Eric Bieniemy. Or what about the Texans' uh, offensive coordinator? I heard he's a pretty hot name. I'm blanking on what his name is though now. Yeah, I've heard as well. My guess is he stays with that team at least another year to to try and work with Stroud. And I think they have a good situation. He has a good relationship um, with the head coach. And I think they probably run that back another year to see what the level of success is. They got another year under CJ's belt. Um, hopefully they can improve. They got a couple picks in the first round, I believe. Um, we mentioned that earlier, like you were unsure about, um, the draft order there, but, um, I thought they had a couple of picks in the first round. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Tankathon. Oh, nope. That was wrong. All right. Great podcasting. Yeah. No first round pick. So I don't know. It's going to be tough to um, fill those coffers. I will say this, that I think they're a fun and exciting team. Houston's a good like sports town. I don't think it'd be hard. No taxes, no state tax in Texas. That matters. Um, I think they might be able to bring in some uh, defensive uh, free agents perhaps and kind of beef up that. I have, front the the front of that defensive line maybe yeah we'll see all right las vegas um antonio pierce is probably out i think as a head coaching candidate it's he's if he gets one it's gonna be the raiders i don't think he probably has a chance much anywhere else but he's likely out because he's a defensive guy um mark davis al davis always kind of offensive minded guys like I the would, big arm. I would love to see Antonio Pierce stay there though. I, I liked what he did. The one thing is, is like you never, the owners never go, I like this guy who my team, who my team likes. Yeah. Because the problem is, is that guy is rarely the guy that the owner likes. Right. So owners hire people like them or that they like, or kind of have something in common with them or whatever. And then they, you know, you get assistant coaches that are the player's coach or whatever. Right. I I, I mean, I don't know the last time you had somebody, I will say this, it was, what is it? Devontae Adams had said the locker room has been the best it's been in like two years or whatever. So that's definitely something to, to hang your hat on. Um, I hope he gets another opportunity. He should. He had a pretty flawed roster, uh, flawed offense, um, okay quarterback, um, and he uh, they competed for sure. Absolutely, man. 
All right, Seattle. Um, it was announced today that Pete Carroll is either was either fired or had resigned for a uh, position as a as an advisor. And the the official thing that was written by uh, the ownership was that he resigned and will move into an advisor position. That's that was the official press release from the Seattle Seahawks. I'll have to take them on that word unless otherwise uh, known. Um, and if that's the case, we have a couple. My my brother had mentioned Dan Quinn, uh, the defensive uh, coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, former defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he knows the system. He knows the organization. He works. He's worked with John Schneider, the GM, before. I said, sure, but we need to stop Kyle Shanahan. And to me, Dan Quinn's defense is incapable of stopping Kyle Shanahan's offense and to have to have that come in here twice a year. And then a offshoot of that with the LA Rams come in another two times a year. Um, I think it's really tough for, uh, I think it would be a bad hire for Dan Quinn. Honestly, I, that, I would, I would prefer that. That is the uh, kind of, number one candidate according to everyone um, i would prefer to see um as your brother had mentioned that you mentioned your brother had mentioned uh mike mcdonald mike mcdonald the defensive coordinator from baltimore yep i would not mind seeing that um i would i, I would, just want to see something different you know I wouldn't mind little, seeing little youth harbaugh. what about john or jim harbaugh i mean um i think he's gonna want too much um, from a were the rich I, don't, I mean they they're one of the they have all the money in the world who seattle yeah they don't care how much they have to spend for a, a coach they're about to sell the team in a year anyway yo homie i was talking he wants too much power oh i thought you said he wants too much money I well you know i was saying he wants too much and i was fishing for the words when you just so, came off the top rope on me jimmy superfly snooker how far do you have to fish for money <laughs> anyway, um, yeah yeah i just i think he's gonna want too much from a from a management of the team he's gonna want to have um personnel control all that kind of other stuff he has the leverage to do it um, i have him as a candidate for another team that's an absolute shambles that i think he would be a good fit for here in a second but yeah i mean commanders uh, uh neither well, um, well we'll we'll get to it what did you say I said, I'm guessing it's the Washington Commanders that you. Think oh no, no, um, Yeah, I I want to see a defensive-minded coach on this team, um, unless we have come up with a star quarterback that can kind of run this these you know high octane offenses. I think the one thing that we should probably start focusing on is running the ball and uh, playing good defense. We have a lot of great offenses that are in our in our division. Everyone knows the first goal of your year is to win your division. In order to do that, we're going to need to stop some of these guys, and we're going to have to make some big plays on offense through running game, shots downfield. If we really want to um, talk about what the recipe is for um, – beating a Shanahan offense. Guess who did it twice this year? Um, the the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Yep. I would like to to see Mike McDonald as the, the head coach. That would be my 
All I want for Christmas is Mike McDonald. All right. L.A. Chargers, after uh, firing uh, Brandon Staley. I have Jim Harbaugh here. I could see it. I mean, going to L.A., I mean, I don't know. Jim Harbaugh's a weird guy, so you never know. But I think Bill Belichick still. I'd like to see Bill Belichick get out there. We had mentioned, we had talked about that a couple weeks ago, even maybe even personally, um, that I thought Bill Belichick would say for this many of the same reasons um, that I, I mentioned in Jacksonville, minus the solid defense. But I think getting him in there with this relatively young team, he could probably coach these guys up from a defensive perspective to compete. And then you have a really solid quarterback. Um, and then you just start creating pieces around that. I think the one thing that's also good is both Jacksonville and the Clippers, as it relates to Bill Belichick, have like pretty mediocre wide receiver cores, and he seems to be pretty uh, apt at winning Super Bowls with mediocre wide receiver cores. <laughs> so it's kind of in his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All right, so. Uh, Washington, I wouldn't even know. Maybe Frank Reich. I, I, I don't know where Frank Reich. my. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Um, at this point, they brought in um, what was the the guy that was the general manager for the Warriors? Oh, Bob. Uh, uh, I was going to say Bob Hill. It's not Bob Hill. It's Bob Myers. Bob Myers. Yeah. So they brought. Bob Myers in as the GM recently, right? Or I think I thought I read it on. Is he president? President. I read it somewhere that he was just going to be the help with the the search that him and Mike, not Mike Tannenbaum, uh, Rick Spiel, him and Rick Spielman were going to. Uh, oh, advise, advise, advise on overall on coaching hire. But then I did read somewhere else that that. Uh, Myers was going to end up being the president or the GM. So I don't know, but either way, like, he's, he's going to, he's going to advise on the entire overhaul. So not just the coaching search, but what are they going to do with the roster turnover and everything? Interesting. The, to me, those are the type of decisions that a team needs to decide. And this is why I like the owner so far of the commanders, because he's going, I'm going to bring in talent to do the work, a pro proven talent to do the work, to, to get this team ready. Where, where, where are inefficiencies? Where are our weaknesses? Where are our strengths? How can we, you know, get talent into the building? All these different things that, that you need to think about in order to, to build a team. It's probably three to four years out, but um, depending on how this coach search goes, maybe they find a talent that I have not even thought of, or, you know, no one's ever thought of. They, there was some word with Eric Bieniemy potentially being the Washington coach as well. Um, I don't know, but I think they would like to, I would go defense because you have Eric Bieniemy, maybe kind of a defensive leaning coach yeah. to, to, to kind of get them, get that defense built up and let Eric Bieniemy manage the offense and again get a quarterback yeah so that's going to be a big thing for them i think they are currently second in the draft the washington uh commanders so that gives them a lot of options um you to drake, drake may or i mean you could, do, you could go with marvin harrison you could do a lot of things 
Yeah, I don't know if they need more receivers, but like um maybe maybe Jaden Daniel if you like him a little bit better. Um there's 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 all sorts of options at this that number two pick. So we'll see. I don't want to see them ever be good, but um I do appreciate you know what their what their um trajectory looks like. Yeah. All right. All right. Take Conor. Give it to me. Okay, so my only one, so I think, so this is a this isn't like a great hot take or anything, but if he gets to the right situation, I think Justin Fields is going to go down as the best quarterback from that twenty twenty one draft class with him and Trevor Lawrence and uh, Zach Wilson and I forget who the other uh, Trey Lance better than Trevor Lawrence, huh? Something just tells me, man. I don't know. I think Justin Fields could, if, if he gets with the right, if he gets the right development. I think he could really blossom. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he's, I think he processes the game well. I just, uh, yeah, I think he's got a cannon for an arm. He can run. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that's a solid take. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, at this point it's close. So I, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to assume that Trevor would be able to, you know, figure, or I'm sorry, um, Justin Fields would be able to figure out how to, you know, move up in, in those rankings. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not selling my Trevor Lawrence stock. Um We'll see. We'll see. I, I hope he goes to a team where he's able to kind of achieve his full potential for sure. Me too. All right. Angie. Yeah. 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 I had a couple of takes. So this one's from Angie. Um, an amazing take just kind of off top, off topic a bit. Um, she said, TikTok is Gen Z's version of the tramp stamp. And it really made me <laughs> like that embarrassing thing that you do that comes back yeah you have to kind of live with your entire life i don't know i thought it was pretty funny <laughs> that's good that's uh, that's pretty funny man all right i also have um our generation of football fans have seen the greatest evolution of football watching experience so when i look at generations of people watching football it was pretty much the same from like 1920 to like the early aughts 2002 2005 you basically had shitty camera angles and shitty TV um, off of rabbit ears. Um, And then sometime they introduced like uh, the uh, Sunday ticket, but that was so rare because it was so damned expensive. But generally speaking, there hadn't been any like evolution up until like the early 2000s and then the viewing experience of a football game. And then it just took off. These last 20, 25 years have been insane with the type of things we're watching now where we're watching Amazon AWS predict where the blitz is coming from. That was crazy. Uh, that was, and it's, that was pretty cool. It's, it's bonkers where we've come with this. It's like we started with fire, man. And now we're, we're driving like electric vehicles. It's I, no, we're, uh, we're, we're driving the, uh, the back to the future two uh, uh, hovercrafts or whatever. 
the hoverboard or are you talking no, about talking like about the, the flying cars flying cars, flying cars. Yeah. yeah where where we're going marty we don't need roads you know yeah so i thought that was pretty interesting i kind of looked at it, i was like having a conversation i think it was with with my dad about like what like what era what decade or what era i guess generation um had the most like technological advancements you know was it like the 60s to the 80s was it like the 80s to the 2000s i mean cars are not that old man like they were just starting to be something in the early 1900s right and now we have you know what we have now the technology i mean it hasn't changed much over the years but like a lot of the stuff within it and we like computers and ipads and all this stuff i think obviously the evolution of football um kind of has or the watch watching experience anyway is kind of i think doing the same thing yeah. so we have a sky cam and red zone and all this stuff it's just yeah it's insane i went back and watched uh the entire game or maybe it was just the offensive um the offensive possessions of the seattle seahawks versus the, the kansas city chiefs where uh Derek thomas sacked dave craig like eight times back in like 93 or 94 or whatever it was yeah and i was watching it on youtube and it was grainy and that the might, might as well have been horrible watching. graphics yeah i had no idea where the first down marker was uh, i had no idea where like what down it was they didn't like really do a good job putting it out there they removed the graphics on the field like while the play is going on and it's just like it was it's such a different experience back then i mean i might as well be watching somebody like with like marionette puppets playing football you know it's just like it was really weird and now like we said all this crazy technology we have here there there was a show called guts on nickelodeon back when i was a kid it was like a competition show um where they would do all these you know different like agility things like they're one you have a high jump but some of them it was like you have to block like, the most number of soccer balls or whatever and these guys, um, I found like a YouTube channel where they like these guys, like grown adults go back and watch it, but they pick, they all like choose which there's three competitors every, every episode and they all three pick a competitor and they can trade, they trade, you know, after so many uh, events or whatever. Anyway, it was just the most ridiculous thing. I'm like, how did I watch this when I was 12 years old or whatever and like want to be on this show so bad? Like they don't count the number of like soccer balls that are kicked at you and, and how many you block versus how many you get by or how many you let by. And it's, it, it was just like the most insane thing to, to think that was the type of stuff we used to watch. But the same thing is like, for, it's probably from like 93 and it's grainy and you can barely, you know, it's just as insane. What yeah television advancements between. between and it doesn't seem to be affecting like the income that they get or the revenue they get at the stadiums either so we just get i i don't think i'll ever go to a football stadium again because i can just watch it in hd yeah. on my couch and just enjoy it the same as i would and i don't get beer spilled on me so um Not yeah in the case of tyree kills wife or nachos yeah you don't get nachos spilled on you either all right so my final take is um we had talked about you know finding some pipeline uh, for NFL referees so that they can get the proper training, work through the system, hire them full time and all this other stuff. I was thinking, 
after I kind of came up with this, this previous thing and I go, I'm going to zag a bit on these refs. I say, we don't, we don't, they should just be out there to like throw flags. People just tell them to throw flags or, or you train them up enough where they know what an offsides looks like, or they stand there and they blow whistles and throw flags. If people get in fights, they're basically like a bouncer. And that's all that they do out there. We don't need them anymore for lining up offsides, lining up in the neutral zone. We don't need them for are the toes down anymore. Like we should be able to like, let's let the NFL invest in the technology to get the call right and get it like right away. Have like AWS analyze if there's a blade of grass between his toe and the white on the sideline. What are we doing having, you know, 60 year old men staring at uh, other men's feet trying to decide in a split second whether that was a catch or not right so i was just like what are we doing here i say just bring it and you could pay them less you can hire less um because they're they're you don't have to train them up as much or anything like that you know do whatever you want to do with them but they're just out there to communicate to the fans and to communicate to the people watching on tv what's going on to stop fights throw flags when they're necessary, raise your hands like a touchdown when you see it come in or when you get the word on the, um, on the, on your earpiece or whatever the case is, just make it easy. Why aren't we utilizing technology that we have available to us? Uh, I love it. I love it. All Holding right. call on number da, 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 throw the flag. That's yeah, all you need. No, like, why not? Why not? All right. That was my take corner. I didn't have much. I didn't have anything with diversity today. So, um, what do you have? Uh, I actually watched the ESPN Thirty for Thirty Minister of Defense, um, mm. which was uh, very eye-opening for me. Uh, I did not. I guess I don't know what I don't. I didn't realize some of like the controversy surrounding Reggie White. Um, so when they when they started to talk about it, I remembered it. Yeah, me me too. Kind of. Um, but I had tried forgotten. I didn't remember at the time, um, you know, him making these crazy remarks in front of, uh, in front of the, I guess the Wisconsin state legislature and, um, just, yeah, bizarre, man. But I I like that. So the, the movie was, the, the, the interview they conduct with him, uh, is two months before he passes away in 2004. He's wearing a so he's super religious, right? And he's wearing a Jim Brown jersey. I thought that was kind of ironic, but um, <laughs> he uh, he goes. It, it's talking. Um, it it goes through his whole past, right? It's it, they kind of sit down with him. You you hear they ask him a few questions about like kind of his his religious beliefs and how people would be surprised. Is he? No, no longer religious or is he more religious now and then it kind of dives into his upbringing through you know be going to you know, the university of tennessee and then the usfl and then eventually to the philadelphia eagles um and like this guy was insanely good man like i can't even like he i think they said in 1987 he got 21 sacks in 12 games hmm Oh, as a strike year, yeah. shortened year. It would like that is freaking bonkers, man. Um, but then and then when he and he sued the NFL, essentially he put his name on that lawsuit to 
to sue the NFL for free agency. He was the very first free agent signing in the NFL history. And he went everywhere. It was hilarious because they were saying that like uh, the Cleveland, the Cleveland Brown, that his son is in the, his, his son is in the documentary. His son is like, man, I wanted my dad to sign, you know, he's like 12 or 13 at the time. He's like, I wanted my dad to sign with uh, the Cleveland Browns so bad because I had a cousin in Cleveland. I wanted to live by him. Uh, But, and his dad was, you know, went out to San Francisco, went to Cleveland and all these different teams. Um, And then Mike Holmgren said he can't, you know, they interviewed Mike Holmgren in the documentary as well. And, and Brett Favre, which they had a couple problematic people in there that were being interviewed, but, uh, he Mike Holmgren said yeah we you know there's no fancy restaurants at Green Bay take her to he took her to Red Lobster and uh he's like he loved the cheddar cheddar bay biscuits or something and then like he just was like he loved like having just like a humble meal or whatever and um Mike Holmgren's like man he's like I don't know why everybody hates Red Lobster it's really good like we had a great meal there it's like showing him eating freaking you know fish and chips or whatever but uh yeah it was uh it was interesting. And then at the end, it, it's talking about how after his playing days are over, he learned Hebrew and then went to, I guess, Israel and um, started learning about like the actual origins that the Bible is. Old Testament stuff. Yeah. These scrolls that the Bible was originated from and how he just essentially realize that he was being used and that all these things like he said you know he said multiple times in these interviews how god had told him this or god had told him that and he's like man it's like it wasn't god he's like it was just me making my own decision and saying like god said that like it's just like if you convince yourself you know it, it it is what it is basically i was i was it was just selfish and he's like people were putting stuff in my head and saying that it was scripture and it wasn't like they don't even understand what what this religion is and i thought that was like really cool that he had kind of had this i don't know come to jesus moment i guess where you uh you know he just like realized that i don't know like that there was not all this god doesn't hate anybody or what you know i don't know what it was it was just it was interesting man i suggest everybody go check it out um it definitely had a twist it's 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 really a story of a guy who took a position was in that position for a very long time, began to realize after the fact of how he was being used for his fame in the church, mm-hmm. and then realized that there were that hating people in those scenarios and kind of spewing that rhetoric. Um, he was very like uh, uh, apologetic for and realized kind of like the error of his ways. It's almost a redemption story in a lot of ways. I don't think he got the chance though to kind of redeem himself public to, in the public eye. You know what I mean? To to get out and say like these things I was saying were wrong, and I was, you know, I wasn't preaching. I think the God. best part of the doc was not all of the other nonsense, but like when he was sitting at his desk and they were interviewing him, and he was being quite um, open about like how he made mistakes. I think if we can get that out into the world, which I think something like this does, I think that will um, kind of change the narrative a bit. We have to allow people to redeem themselves in this world. I mean, certain people are so so bad. You just kind of like, you know, right. 
Yeah, but I thought, them, I thought there, but... was, there was an interesting point where uh, the guy that was kind of helping him learn Hebrew um, in Israel was like, here's like what God says you can't do. And he's like, the first one is like, you can't eat pig. It's like, wait, I've been eating pig. I've been eating bacon and pig my whole life. What do you mean I can't eat? He's like, I guess I was, you know, he's like, how do I cast a stone if I'm sinning as well, like according to this book, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, man. Definitely a redemption story. That that was a good, good. Uh, good Reminded movie. me a lot about remember in the movie Malcolm X, starring Denzel Washington, when he decides to go to Mecca, and he realizes that uh, Islam was not specific to black people or people from the Middle East or whatever. He prayed with whites blacks all sorts of different people from you know different racial backgrounds different cultural backgrounds and realize that it's it's a much larger world at least in the scene which i really appreciated kind of like that reflection for him in that in that movie and i think that's kind of what i think about when i see somebody like reggie white going through that level of reflection on his life and realizing um that there's a lot more out there that we we missed yeah no, i agree um yeah great it, it, interesting movie though um i suggest if anybody has an extra hour 25 or whatever to check it out in and out it's pretty fast all right i had nothing for diversity i've been watching a bunch of things but you know nothing i want to discuss right now nothing of major notes there's a something called the recruit that I'm currently watching. That's super fun to watch, but I need to, I want to finish that before I uh, start talking about it. Okay. All right. All right. And goats. All right. For me, most of this is um, like NFL related or NFL storyline related. Um, so my good this week is Puka Nakua um, wide receiver for the LA Rams yeah. selected in the fifth round. Uh, the 177th pick, pick overall out of BYU. Uh, in his day, yep. In his debut, his first game of the season, he had 10 catches for 119 yards, and a in a win over the heavily favored Seattle Seahawks. We remember that game, or we're very like you know it was kind of a WTF moment for us. Yeah. Um, he had a single game record for receptions, uh, 15. Uh, for 140 yards, week two against San Francisco, um, a rookie record, rather. Um, first TD was versus Indianapolis. Uh, he had nine receptions, 163 yards, and a TD in that game. Um, he had a thousand, his thousand yards, he had a thousand yard mark in uh, versus Cleveland, four receptions for 105 and a touchdown. Um, week 16, he was offensive player, uh, NFC offensive player of the week, nine receptions, 164 yards, and a TD. Over the season, he had 105 receptions total, 1,486 yards, six touchdowns. He broke the rookie record for receptions with 105 and the rookie record for yards with 1,486. So I thought this story, and I saw this nice um, video on, on, on Twitter about um, Sean McVay and um, Les Snead talking about, you know, his talent and drafting him and, you know, just all, all the things that they, the talent that they saw in him and essentially what they said that he would be good to do 
X, Y, Z. And he just went out onto the field and did X, Y, Z. And it was like a really good for me that reminded me, like, sometimes we get these like players that come out of nowhere and are just like really good. They work hard. They understand the game. They take direction. They take coaching. They learn. Um, and they may not be the fastest guy out there, but they find ways to compete and, and to be a contributor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Great for him, man. Great season. Great rookie season. I hope, uh, hope his career, I hope he has a great career. I always like that kid. All right. All right. What do you got for good? My good, uh, is just Cleveland and Detroit making the playoffs. I like to see these old teams that haven't been, haven't had great uh, runs lately, um, you know, get after it and, and seem seemingly on an upward trajectory, especially Cleveland winning despite Deshaun Watson. Um, love to see it. Yeah. So awesome. All right. I'm excited for that for them as well. Um, I'm, I am from Cleveland. Um, I have been a Cleveland fan. I have walked away from them because of this um, Deshaun Watson scenario, but I think with him out and I can with good conscience kind of like peek back in and, and kind of root for him and uh, Detroit, Barry Sanders fan, always wanted to succeed. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, Oh, this is a weird thing. This is um, the first time that all three um, I think they called it Great Lake ordered teams were in the playoffs. So you got Buffalo. Um, was it Lake Erie? Huh? I don't think is Green Bay right on. Oh, who are, no, it, who are the three? Whatever, whatever the region. It's it's Detroit. Uh, it's Detroit, Cleveland, and Buffalo. I think they called it the uh, Erie Lake Erie area. Okay. Cool. That's pretty interesting. Who's your uh, bad? Bad this week is, yeah, it's all team, all all teams on Lake Erie. All right, bad um, is quarterbacks 2023. Not necessarily the play, although the play has been kind of subpar for the most part. But only 11 teams ended the season with the same QB that they started with, and they're all in the playoffs. So this should tell us it's very important to have that quarterback and have that quarterback be healthy. Now, what this means is there's 21 teams, almost two thirds of the league that had to play their backups at one point. Now I didn't count the, the teams that played their backup in week 18, just to kind of rest players. So I didn't count those teams. Um, I think there's nine teams that do not yet have their quarterback of the future. And correct me as I read these out, Pittsburgh, right. Las, Las Vegas, yeah. Denver, New England, Seattle, I threw in there, yeah. Minnesota, Chicago, yeah. Atlanta, and Washington. Yeah. Now, I, I also was like a maybe. I put Tennessee. We don't know what Will Levis is. New Orleans. I don't know what the contract is with David Carr, but I'm not really excited about him as my quarterback if I'm them. The Giants, my guess is they're going to try to get out from under um, uh, Daniel Jones within after this year. Uh, so not really a long-term plan. And frankly, Carolina, Bryce Young's ability is still up in the air. So it was just a really weird, weird year for quarterbacking in the NFL. Um, Wait, did you have Cleveland on that list also? Um, 
I didn't because ultimately Deshaun Watson's going to come back and he has a huge contract and they need to make that work. Um, and I don't see them cutting him for another year or two because it's a huge cap hit. Right. So you might as well might as well hang in there with him. I can go back to putting my uh, my my Cleveland Browns gear up in the closet, you know, starting next year. But we'll see how they how they do this year. Uh, my bad was the Seattle Seahawks smoking cigars in the locker room after oh uh, winning the game, but being eliminated from the playoffs and then lying about it to the report. Like they tell the reporters that they're celebrating, making it through a healthy season. Um, most of the veterans say absolutely not. Bill, uh, uh, Bobby Wagner, Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith said they didn't want anything to do with it. Um I just and then they then Julian Love says, "Oh, we were actually smoking cigars for my son that was born like four weeks ago after before we beat Tennessee." Which like, why not smoke cigars after the Tennessee game then, or after the Pittsburgh game, or after anyway? I just thought it was it's fine to do that, but like do that where everybody can't see you. Can I ask a, a question of you? When is it okay to no longer be? sad about this for from their perspective when is an appropriate time for them to smoke a cigar after after being removed from the playoffs in your opinion i would hope not that night or at least not in the locker room right after they, they can't smoke it at all at night they can't I mean, go no. out and have dinner they they, they, they must That's they fine. must no, directly it's, it's go just, to their house look, man it's just a bad look and lock it up a bad look for like in what regard that you it's like you don't care okay it gives off the image that you don't care i don't know i saw a number of ex seahawks from the super bowl years saying like what is this all about um on twitter and yeah i don't know anything from richard sermon I didn't hear from richard sherman one way or the other yeah i just you know i mean everyone has their stuff man I think it's fine. Whatever. We just, Live your life. I don't think everybody shouldn't get participation trophies either. So, Well, it's not a participation trophy. It's just a bunch of guys like relaxing in the locker room after a win. And not a good season. We get it. Just having a cigar. Let's not read into it too much. I think it's fine. Okay. Let's go. Ugly. What do you got? Jimmy Kimmel versus Aaron Rodgers. I like it. I like it. Um, this has started like, for those who don't know, Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari, his uh, left tackle at Green Bay had gotten into this kind of like weird thing with Jimmy Kimmel, accusing him of being on, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's plane and Jimmy Kimmel fires back. I've never been on the damn plane, called him an asshole on Twitter and all this other stuff. And it turned into this, like thing where they then Aaron Rodgers fires back and then was on the Pat McAfee uh show like going down a rabbit hole like these anti-COVID kind of like weird kind of right-wing mess Pat McAfee's already said he's off the show for the rest of the season um and my guess he's not doing that under his own volition even though he supposedly has um uh, the ability to control who comes on his show all the time from the front. This guy is Pat McAfee. I, I, 
I can't stand him. I think ESPN really made a mistake bringing him on. It's not really what I want to see. I don't want to see like shock jocks doing sports and saying weird things and bells going on and having ridiculous conversations with Aaron Rodgers. That guy's like jumping the shark for me. Like sometimes you just start to your brain just starts to not connect the dots anymore. And you just start, you're in your own echo chamber so much that it just, you, you start to believe it. And it's just all very, it's a weird situation. It's ugly. I know ESPN leadership's involved. Uh, they, uh, I'm sure they nudge McAfee to not have him back on for now. Um, they don't want to be caught up in this stuff. It's just not good. I don't think McAfee's long for this position anyway. They're going to start clamping down. Disney's going to start clamping down on this guy. And at some point, the bad press that he provides is not going to uh, be commiserate with the amount of uh, – it's going to be too much. It overwhelms even whatever ratings that they do have. Okay. Um, I agree with John Moran. Yeah. Hearing his labor and his shoulder and uh, being out for the season and my uh, my John Morant basketball card collection taking a major hit because I was hoping to sell it as they made the playoffs, but that will not happen now. I'm going to have to wait till next year. Well, you're, you're Mr. What it looks like out in the world with the cigar things. What do you think about him like coming back and like throwing the guns up when he dunks and doing all that other stuff? You know, you think that's appropriate considering all the stuff that the 25 game suspension that he just went through? No, if I was a Memphis Grizzlies fan, I would be pissed off for sure. And as a fan of John Moran, wanting him to do well so I can sell these basketball cards, uh, I was a little irritated as well. That's funny. The basketball cards. Yeah, I got you. So, all right. You got a quote this week? Nah, I'm good. All right, man. Till next week, everyone. Please listen, like, rate, review, and share the podcast. We will... Talk to you all after a super wild card weekend.